Welcome to the Den of Lights. Hello, once more. Gonna pop out another little mini-sode here. This time, on the Almanac of Naval. Now, I gotta say, up front, this book deserves a purchase. You should definitely get this book and read it for yourself. The points that I have today, which I'm going to speak on, are few of many that could have been noted. I listened to his Thread of Threads podcast, which you can find on Naval's podcast, N-A-V-A-L. And it's pretty long, so be prepared. But he goes through many of the concepts that end up in the book as well. That being said, even if you've heard it, it's great to get the book and read it because it's so easy to miss things on a podcast. You know, you're typically listening to one as you're doing other things. Anyways, all that to say, what I have here does not even begin to represent what all is in that book. I think it's a fantastic book, but I've got with me 12, 11 points. And so, same as the last episode, I'm just going to read them off and talk about them as I see them. So, let us begin. The first is, pick business partners with high intelligence, energy, and above all, integrity. Integrity is the only path you can never get lost on. I totally believe that. If you are debating a choice you must make, Always go with the one that retains your integrity. Now, Naval is extremely successful. He, if you are unaware who he is, is somebody who has been exposed to the business world for decades at a very high level. So he's been through a lot of trials. I say that to point out to you the weight you should attribute to his opinion because when you hear this pick high business partner pick business partners with high intelligence energy and integrity that sounds boring it's not sexy at all and it's nothing new you've heard that before and it's obvious right like of course you want somebody with high intelligence you want somebody to be smart if you're going to start a business with them Yes, you want them to have higher energy because they need to be able to do the things that must be done in the early stages of a company, which require so much more effort. To get the ball rolling, you've got to put in the most amount of effort. But once the inertia is there, then you're just kind of maintaining. But to get it started, you need a lot of energy. And then integrity is, hey, if I go into a business with you, you're not going to screw me over, right? But also, you're not going to screw over one of our clients, which ends up ruining our relationship, which was like a foundation for the whole business, right? All these things. It seems so normal and commonplace that you would want these things. I have a skill, which is that I am able to recognize when I'm overlooking something that seems unimportant or not noteworthy. So most people read that and wouldn't think twice about it. But what I see is, here's this guy, Naval, who's had all these experiences in business, 
and he's choosing to write these words extremely intentionally. So for him, after all of the years experience, he says, listen, these are the most important things. He spent decades filtering through all of the different types of adjectives and he came to finally realize that these three things are the key things. So put more weight onto those things which seem commonplace like intelligence, energy, and integrity. To you, lacking experience, it seems maybe not noteworthy. But to him, he's saying, look, I'm an expert and this is huge. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Second point, if you can't code, write books or blog, record videos, and do podcasts. I have started to learn coding very little. And so when I read this, I thought, perfect, I'm already on the right path. Because, because I already had these inclinations, you were listening to my podcast, um, I make videos, and I have um, some writing that's published. So I felt really good in reading that. But again, as with all of these points, as with all of the things that I note in any of my podcasts about books, you've got to give more weight to the things that seem obvious. And that's why I'm bringing it up and spending time on these things that seem, you know, just mundane. The point is, this guy is a leader in tech. He's at the forefront of this field almost so completely. And he is saying his expert opinion, (laughs) trust the science, the expert opinion is if you can't code, you need to be writing, recording videos, and making podcasts. The world we're moving towards that's going to be very, very important. He says, if you can't code, do these other things. So notice that he's placing coding at a higher precedence than the other three. But he's saying, if you can't do that, here's these other things that you definitely can do. Like you can talk so you can do podcasts. You can make videos because you have a smartphone. And especially if you have like the newest phone, then you've got, um, you know, 30 or 60 frames per second. You can choose, you can do 4K it's amazing. And these, there's a lot of software out there that has stabilization. So it's like, all you have to do is plug in a raw video, and then you can stabilize it on the editor. Like it's all these things are available to you. And he's saying that the world we're moving towards, these things are going to become highly key. I totally believe that's true. Because this world we're moving towards is going to be one that's tokenized. And the concept of going into a career and working that out until you retire is close to its end. What's going to take its place in our lifetime, very certainly, and the kids who are being born today will know nothing other than this new thing, which is that you will have multiple streams of income from everything you do. Most people work a job. And then some of those people have a side hustle. And some of those people have maybe two side hustles or uh, their one side hustle is actually more successful. They're making more money than they are at their job, but they still need the supplemental. So they're still doing their job, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) In the future, you're going to be making money from nearly everything. And the more you create, 
the more likely you are to have a higher income. So if you're writing, you're making videos, and you have podcasts, those are three avenues where you can get paid for what you do. Now, let me give an example right now of how that's true. On my podcast, I am open to receiving tips. If you click the description of this video, you can see a link to give me a tip. Now, that's never happened yet, so thank you to the first person who does it. But my point is, I can now make money simply because I talked about a book that I read, right? Like if somebody really appreciates it and the content I'm making, they will tip me and now suddenly I start to receive money from this thing. But let's take it one step further to show you where we're actually headed. If you download the web browser Brave, and I'm, this is not a sponsorship, whatever. <laughs> I don't have any sponsors. If you download the web browser Brave, it is a blockchain, I don't know, integrated browser. And so Brave really puts a priority on privacy. And they block a lot of ads, a lot of trackers, all these things. And it allows you to tip content creators. It allows you to voluntarily view ads and get paid for it, but also to pay out to those people. So forget that for a moment and remember what I'm about to say, which is this. When you do use the browser, and especially when you voluntarily view ads, you get a payout of this thing called BAT, which is a token, and it's an acronym that stands for Basic Attention Token. By using a certain web browser, you can get paid for your attention. Just by doing what you normally do, which is use the internet, there's now a way to make money off of just using the internet because you choose to use a specific web browser. <laughs> so I don't want to sit on this for too long. I want to move on. But just to say that these things that seem so mundane and probably boring to most people, like write a book or a blog or make a video or a podcast, like just talking, <laughs> you can be setting yourself up to be making money later on. Like what I'm doing today, I'm not getting paid for. I've sold copies of my book. I sold 70 copies, but I haven't sold a copy in like almost a year because uh, all the hype died down. I haven't gotten paid for any non-commissioned videos. So like nobody's seen my videos and been like, hey, dude, let me just tip you. You know, I've gotten paid gigs, which is nice. Again, the things I did for free have led into getting paid. And this podcast, I've made over 40 episodes and never gotten a single penny. But I recognize that all of the work I'm doing now is leading to a point where people will want to compensate me for the value I'm providing. And so because I've built out this catalog, once I hit that point, I'm more likely to get paid because I already have a whole catalog of written material, videos, and podcasts. But here's the bigger thing. The world we're moving towards it's going to be commonplace. It's going to be inevitable that you get paid for your content. So again, I already have this whole catalog. And I can't say for certain that this is what Naval's pointing to. Because he never mentions crypto in the whole book. But 
That's the key and that's why I wrote this point down. And I'm sure you can tell from my vehemency that I truly do agree with that point and believe that the world we're headed in, it makes a lot of sense to be doing those things. Next up, apply some leverage and put your name on it. So that's what this is. I'm applying leverage using technology. All I'm doing is talking, really. All I'm doing is talking with this podcast. But I'm using technology to record it, my phone, and then taking that file, editing it a little bit, again, more technology, and then uploading it to an app, more technology, which distributes it on these different audio platforms like Spotify, which is more technology. So I'm applying all this leverage to the simple thing of me just talking and then putting my name on it. This is the lion's den. Charles Meyer created this. I did this thing. And again, this is like a brand. So I'm applying leverage, putting my name on it, and I'm setting myself up to be in a position of power. I'm not saying that this podcast is going to take off and it's going to be huge someday. I don't even think I really have that intention. But I know as because of the things I've just explained before this, the world we're moving towards, I know that by following this point of apply some leverage and put your name on it, I'm setting myself up for success. I'm setting myself up to get paid. The best jobs are neither decreed or degreed. I think this is especially true moving forward. And it relates to everything I've just mentioned. But I'll say it one more time so it really lands. The best jobs are neither decreed or degreed. Next point. Kind of a quote. He says, I think being successful is just about not making mistakes. This I will relate to investing. Surprise, surprise. The first rule of investing is don't lose money. The second rule of investing is don't lose money. Making mistakes is fine. You shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes. But when you make those mistakes, you need to be sure that you're learning from those mistakes. So you're not bound to continuously make them or to trip up and make mistakes that are basically derivatives of something you've already done before. So it's key to make them, right? They're stepping stones Failure is the stepping stone to success. Yes. But making mistakes does set you back. The more mistakes you make, typically, the more time you're going to have to spend just retracing your steps to get back to the point you were before you made the mistake for all that it's worth. I just want to point out that there is a lot of value in pinpointing your mistakes. And even when you have a success, looking back on how you could have done better. And that's the whole reason they have debriefs, especially the military makes a point to do these sort of things because it's not unless you look back and connect the dots that you can see a whole picture. It makes way more sense and allows you to walk away with more information If you actually look intentionally and judiciously, specifically at what is happening and where the possibility of mistakes is or 
how to avoid making the same mistakes you've made the next time. <laughs> next point, don't take yourself so seriously. You're just a monkey with a plan. I like that. I get in trouble by my girlfriend because I'm very lighthearted in our arguments. There are often times that I'd laugh when we're arguing because, and I don't want to say this pretentiously, but I recognize how silly it all is. Like if we're arguing about being on time somewhere or something, it's like, look, you know, like we're alive right now. <laughs> Why are we arguing about being a little bit late, <laughs> you know? Or doing or not doing a specific thing. Like, it's crazy we're even human beings, you know? <laughs> what are we doing being upset about anything? Um, like, we can go to Florida and go swim in the beach, <laughs> right? So, I just really like that. Don't take yourself so seriously. You're just a monkey with a plan. And I hope you are a good monkey with a good plan. And you take it a little bit seriously, but are also able to laugh about it. Here's another sort of, um, not proverb, I can't think of what the word is to describe it, another saying, which is this, impatience with actions, patience with results. I am so totally about this. Impatience with actions. This happened to me, if you really want to get the whole story, listen to the My Story episode, I think it's number 11 in this podcast, excuse me. Um, when I first started goal setting, I was at a point in my life where I felt like the entire picture had broken apart. I was at a loss for words. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on and what I was going to do. Everything just seemed to be in shambles. The path that I was on completely eviscerated and there was no sign of where to go next. And I was dissatisfied with what was happening in my life. So even though I didn't know what I was going to do, um, the things that I was doing or were doing, I wasn't even satisfied with those things. And so to really say what I'm pointing at here is that, um, you know, this is just part of it. I had gotten out of a relationship and I wanted to be in a new relationship or I at least wanted some affection. I wanted to fill the void with another girl, right? Silly, but I did want to do that. And so after we broke up, I w was communicating with other girls. Like I would just try and talk to other girls and it didn't really work out. <laughs> it didn't feel good either that it wasn't working out because it was like a dumpster fire. So I didn't like that at all. And I started setting goals and I was so dissatisfied every day. I felt like I needed to make shit happen. And I would, I would spend the entire day just taking actions. Like there was no more time to wait. I was so dissatisfied with where I was. I was like, I need to change this now. And there was so much that had to be done I felt like I had to fill my day with um, steps that I could take to get out of the hole that I had uh, unknowingly walked into or dug myself. Anyways, I so totally agree with that because there is a certain sedative, sedative effect that comes with taking action. When you have a problem or there's something you want in life that's not readily apparent, you don't have access to it, whatever. 
Taking action feels very good psychologically. And it can be the smallest of things. It's just the fact that you're moving in the direction that you want to be moving in. It feels therapeutic. But there is a second part to this, which is patience with results. I really learned this from investing. The first part I learned with women, (laughs) just wanting women to like me. Uh, I was like, fuck, I got to change everything now. And I got to start working on all of it all day. (laughs) You know, like I deeply wanted to change because the pain was so intense. I had let it go on too long. So I just started taking massive action. In the same way, money was one issue because one of the the reasons the relationship ended is because the girl was like, money was a big thing. Surprise. So I got into investing around the same time that the relationship was ending. I didn't do it because of her. (laughs) Uh, But despite what I did, even though I was making the right choices, I had to wait. And I've had to wait years to get the results. And so for what it's worth, if you are struggling with patience or you can at least sense that you're not as patient as you would want to be, then I think investing is extremely worthwhile if for nothing else than to learn patience. Because the choices you make in the game of investing typically don't play out for at least a year or two years. Okay, (laughs) enough said. This is no longer a mini-sode. This is now a full episode. We're hitting 21 minutes. Uh, No, I only have a couple more points. So, three, actually. We're almost done. Almanac and the Vol. Can you tell? I like this book. (laughs) Uh, Next point. The real truths are heresies. They cannot be spoken. Only discovered, whispered, and perhaps read. I totally agree with this. I read somewhere, I think um, I read it off of Grit Cult, who I have an interview with, of course, on this podcast. (laughs) Listen to it, Grit Cult, amazing guy, follow him on Twitter. Very, very novel thinker, and I appreciate that. I read on his tweet one time that genius is treason. Most people do not want to hear the truth. Most most people cannot stand to hear the truth laid out. It's just, it it completely disrupts their whole worldview. And so to try and reveal the truth to somebody is almost uh, like, it's kind of trite to say it now because it's, this has been described for so many social political issues. Um... Yeah, it, but it's it's almost an act of violence to red pill somebody on any topic. And I'm not talking about conspiracies here. I'm just talking about red pill as in to show the truth. Because it's such a powerful thing. And so if you want to expose somebody to the truth, you have to set it up in such a way that they feel as if they've walked into it themselves. They have to find out the truth on their own. Because if you do it, it generally only creates resistance. And certainly with somebody you appreciate having a relationship with, you don't want to, um, you know, create that conflict. Because then they start to think of you in a certain way and you could lose a relationship, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) 
But uh, I just think it's an interesting point, that line of genius is treason and truth is heresy, especially now in the world we live in. Um, people's opinions are so strong and there's so much misinformation or fake news that it really does feel true, that saying, the real truths are heresies. Next, the modern struggle. Lone individuals summoning inhumane willpower, fasting, meditation, and exercising up against armies of scientists creating endless poisons and distractions. So, so true. That is the summation of what's going on. And I've got to say it again. I love this point. I love that it's laid out so succinctly. The modern struggle is this. The modern struggle is this. Lone individuals summoning inhumane willpower, fasting, meditation, and exercising up against armies of scientists creating endless poisons and distractions. So I have to say, if you were listening to this, and especially if you were listening to this to the end of the episode, I think you were probably somebody who falls into that category or is at least trying to become that lone individual. So the second part of it is that there is really this concerted effort to create the most centrally appealing thing. And it just so happens that those things are extremely distracting. People cannot get anything done. Most people feel hopeless. They feel pessimistic because their life is consumed by their job. So they're tired and they've spent all their time, all their available energy, their attention at their job, which they don't even like, and they're making a mediocre amount of money. And what's worse is when they get home, they stuff themselves full of food that is probably not good for them drinking some kind of drink that's probably not good for them, and then going into some sort of vice or, you know, numbing activity, like watching TV mindlessly or scrolling through some app or just like masturbating furiously every day. (laughs) You know, there's all these things that it's uh, possible to get distracted by and to poison ourselves with. And so I totally believe and I aspire to be that lone individual who recognizes this, who has put on the glasses, right? And recognizes the, um, what's that movie? Them or They Live, whatever. They've put on the glasses and recognize that, oh shit, we are living in a world where we are inundated with poisons and distractions And if I don't take a leading role in counteracting that and refocusing myself onto the things that actually build me up and move me forward and benefit myself and the community therein, then I will fall a victim to these things. And it's both passive and active because yes, these things are thrust onto us. Like the schooling system sucks. You're basically being conditioned in the worst way possible. But also, you have an active role because you are choosing to eat a certain way. Yes, the food provided, the bulk of it is not good. But 
it is up to you to discern if you want to eat certain foods and why, right? So there's the inhumane willpower, fasting, meditation, and exercising. All of these activities require conscious deliberation. Exercising may be the least so because it's very easy to just get in the groove of exercising or doing it for a vanity purpose. And, you know, while you're there, you're no longer feeling the reps. You're just kind of going through the motions. But typically, you have to be quite present for exercise, especially if you're doing something intense. But the meditation, the willpower, fasting, exercising, all of these things demand you, the inner you, the real you, to rise to the surface and make choices for yourself versus living in the world that's being provided to you, this nice, safe little plastic cage and the path of go to school, go to college, get into a little bit of debt, meet your sweetheart, have a kid on accident, stay stuck to your job, fight with your spouse, grow your kid, um, you know, maybe get get a house someday. And then retire, if you're lucky. (laughs) You know, if you don't die from heart disease before you get to that point. And uh, you've deferred all of your investments until you retire because, oh, we never taught you about finances and investing. You know, it's just, this is the path. Like, don't worry, everybody does this. Like, this is normal. This is the safe thing. (laughs) Okay, 29 minutes. Last point. Wisdom is understanding the long-term consequences of your actions. So much of what I am doing and trying to create is to push the needle towards long-term thinking. In my opinion, I think having a long-term perspective is one of the most important things in my evaluation of if somebody's going to be successful or not. When I look at my friends, when I meet people, when I'm looking at myself, my own situation, anybody, how much or to what degree the person thinks with a long-term perspective tells me an immense amount of things. Because those who have a long-term perspective are thinking in a completely different paradigm than the short-term thinkers. And many times, I'll say, people with short-term perspectives aren't even thinking, oh, I'm choosing, I'm opting for the short-term. They're simply acting out as automatons and um, gravitating towards the short-term because typically those are glittery and flashy and present a lot of pleasure on the front end. And so, you know, mindlessly, people are just like, shoom, shuttling into the short-term. So when somebody displays long-term thinking, to me, it says this person is awake. They're actually aware that their actions have long-term consequences and that it's of more value to prefer those long-term choices, the long-term investments. It's a higher level order of thinking, but it's also showing that the person is aware. Like they're conscious, they're not in the game, set up the plastic playpen with a nice, you know, safe path. They're thinking for themselves. 
And that goes back to the very first point. The person who does that, to me, in my experience, is more likely to have the high intelligence, energy, and integrity. Now, I'll end this here. I think the energy point is extremely worthwhile because having a high amount of energy, having the capacity to do things, the willingness to do things, the drive to do things is an indicator of health. Your energy introduces you before you even speak. Now that's getting into the more spiritual type of energy. And in this case, Naval is talking about the get up and go type of energy and the ability to maintain that, to have endurance in your energy. But I think both are relevant here. Somebody with high energy to me is extremely attractive because most of the time, especially if they're not a teenager or like 20 to 23, 24, to maintain or to have that capacity for energy means you are prioritizing things in your life that aid in the possibility of having high energy. Because this world set up for us, for whatever reason, is extremely draining. It weighs so heavily on us. Most people have no energy. And at best, they do, but by the time they come home, they've lost it all because it's all been spent at their work. And then on their off days, they're spending it, kind of numbing themselves, coping with all of the bullshit in their lives by going out drinking, partying, doing drugs, maybe, you know, whatever. But if somebody has that higher energy, that is another indicator. It's a higher order attribute that shows they have all these lower order things in check. That's the almanac of Naval. I was able to speak at length on each point, and I have more I could say. Trust me. I really recommend you get this book. I recommend you get all the books that I read. Uh, <laughs> it sounds funny saying that. Like, yeah, pretentious, obviously. There are some that I think I really went through on the episodes, but most of the time, I think it's very worthwhile for you to read the book yourself. This is one of those. The Almanac of Naval. Go follow him on Twitter, N-A-V-A-L. And if you want to support this podcast, I appreciate it any way you want to. Um, even just leaving a review or following on Instagram and having interactions there. Uh, donating or buying my book, Rare Candy. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for listening. On to the next episode. I think i got to record it right now while I have time. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'll see you next time. Peace.